The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is RJ Bell. That's right, and it's the post draft NBA second round Kentucky Derby edition with my Wise Guy Roundtable. To my right, Steve Fezzik. In front of me, Brad Powers. To my left, with his mic turned off until best bet time. Mackie, Mackie's back and back from his trip of Europe. Man, you got to wonder, does a guy win at sports betting? But does he travel to Europe in April? Dave Esler with his overrated, underrated and a free pick. Speaking of free picks, Fazic says not one. One's not enough. I'm going to give you two free best bets. One in Wednesday NBA action and one in the NFL, an over-under win total that you want to jump on quick. In addition, Fazek's going to give us three other win totals. He's already bet that he thinks there's value on in the NFL. We're going to be talking about the draft and how handicappers should account for it. And we've got Brad Powers with his continuing college football previews from a Vegas perspective into the Big 12. I was telling you, Brad, I, I, I was going to text you this. You do know Baker Mayfield's not with Oklahoma, right? I do. Okay. And by the way, I'm R.J. Bell. <laughs> All right, guys. This is one we got so much info. We're only going to tell one. At least the plan is to tell one story. And it does involve Mackie. And oh man, you're not going to, if you, you're going to know Mackie, like a lot of you are going to say, I don't really know Mackie right now. And it's true. It's true. He's hard to know, but, but here's what you need to know. After you hear this story in 10 years, if you still know Mackie, you're going to say that story told you every, not everything you need to know, but it tell it told you a lot, maybe 40% of what you need to know in one story. Showtime. All right, Fez, draft, I call it the NFL draft industrial complex, meaning that this is like the military, like politics. There's a lot of people making money from a lot of angles with the draft and the entertainment side, the media side is a big chunk of it. NFL Network, Fox, ESPN, millions and millions. Here's my question. How much did your over-under win total? So for Colin Cowherd and the Herd, the week before the draft, we gave them custom odds that we developed, mostly you. I tweaked a few, I can't lie. And <laughs> and gave them to the Herd. They used them on air and all that. Now we've had an extra 10 days or so of information. And the big chunk of that info is seven rounds of a draft. How much have you adjusted any of the teams and which teams have you adjusted the most? I only made one significant adjustment. Of wait, the wait hold on a teams. second. Thursday night, Friday night or Friday night, Saturday throughout the whole day, seemingly 
It's pick after pick after pick. There was a lot of grades after the fact, all that stuff. And there's one team you adjusted. Just one. Now, I'm not going to say, and RJ accolades to you because you're well aware of this. It's not that the draft isn't critically important to the success of an organization. It's just extremely difficult to predict which organization got the draft right. No, I think you're, that's the paradox. And if the only thing you take away from this conversation is this fact, well, you've taken away a lot. Nothing affects the long-term success of an NFL team more than their success in the draft. I didn't write that down. That was almost like I was reading that from a teleprompter, but I guess I've said it many times in the last week. That was, it was all practice for that one. Now think about that. It's the most important thing. Is your team going to win? How many games in the next 10 years? Nothing more important than the draft. Paradoxically, it's hard to tell in any way. I'm not saying hard to be perfect. It's hard to have any idea of how good this year's draft was for any of the teams. Because here's the fact. Every NFL GM was as happy as he could be after Saturday. You're like, wait a minute. There's got to be winners and losers. Well, maybe when it comes to, oh, I wish Chubb would have dropped down to, you know, the sixth pick and, you know, the Colts would have taken him. And man, if only Denver didn't take him. Yeah, okay. But when it comes to the picks they made, what in essence is a pick? It's there's a universe of players you can choose from and you get exactly the player you want. When the Browns picked, they had every player first pick. They said, we want Baker Mayfield. Now, I think that was wrong. But who in the heck am I when it comes to college quarterbacks? Right? Who in the heck is Mel Kuyper? Who in the heck is Joel Klatt? I mean, it's not about ESPN, Fox, or whomever. It's who in the heck thinks that Joel Klatt or Draftnik XYZ knows more about the Steelers or the Browns than their GM or any of the teams. It's one thing. Do they know as much football? I would say no. But even if they knew as much football, even Bill Belichick, I think knows more football than anyone. Can he grade the Steelers draft? Because to whatever degree Belichick is incrementally better than, let's say, Colbert at the Steelers, that's made up and more by Colbert knowing the Steelers' needs and the current players better than he does. So it's not just how good are the college players, and maybe Belichick's better at that, but it's how good is that player in our system considering our needs. Now, forget Belichick. Now it's Mel Kuyper. Forget about it. So the GMs each get exactly who they want because they're picking exactly who they want with the universe, understanding it's amongst that universe that's available. When someone picked the last pick in the draft, there was a bunch of people out of the universe, but they still got exactly who they wanted. And the only way to grade them is to presuppose you know or whomever is doing the grading knows more than them. That's a, that's a really, really shaky assumption. In fact, I think it's absurd. I mean, because if, if, if Mel Kuyper knew more, wouldn't those teams be throwing money left and right on Mel Kuyper to be the head of their player personnel? I don't hear about him or any of them turning those jobs down. 
Agree or disagree, Fez? Agree strongly. And also, Mel Kuyper, his information largely irrelevant, and yet he knows far more about the draft and the players than I do. So I don't see how I'm going to glean value trying to go through and identify, like you said, the needs for all these teams and how well these picks are going to meet them. Yeah, I think that's a good point because I, I don't think there's many pros. Now, they do with the big name picks. Oh, I'm down on the Browns because of Mayfield. It's like... It's one thing if you go say, all right, here's the three draft nicks I trust. There's one, and and he was on our ESPN radio show years ago, but I have no other dealings with them. But it's a Walters football. It's a little site. It looks like it was built in like 1999. You know about that, Brad? Yeah, I do. Yeah, and, and I think he is one of the unknown guys that really digs deep. But he gave the Steelers the worst possible grade. It's not even an F. It was like some other grade, like a Matt Millen or something, I think he calls it, on the first round pick. And a lot of people thought that that player could have went in the third round. But again, uh, I'm taking Colbert's opinion. Doesn't mean he'll be right on this one, right? but I'm taking Colbert's opinion. So I think if you wanted to use the draft, you take an, uh, an aggregation of three or four or five draft nicks you really trust, blend the grades and say, okay, I had this team at nine wins. They got an A minus, third best draft. I'm going to give them 9.2 wins or whatever. Okay. I don't think that's egregious. I don't think it's worthwhile, though. I think if anything, I would look at the USA Today and the, the more popular draft um, um, grades. And then look to fade that team a little bit if we see the public starting to bet them. You know, that is a great point. Let me reiterate how strong that point is. I like to call that the good story, RJ. When someone starts spreading a good story, USA Today, mainstream media, everybody reads it like, oh, they laid that out nicely, how these picks were really good in this draft. And everyone jumps on the bandwagon and they start talking about how this was a perfect draft for one team. That maybe it should impact that team's season win number. Like you said, 0.2 wins, not insignificant. It might move the, their season win number by the time they kick off in September over half a win. And that's something to fade whenever there's mispricing. Now, you did mention there was one team that you actually moved. So who's the team and why? And we might be in disagreement here. <laughs> the New York Giants, because I thought about was roughly, if maybe not 50-50, but they certainly could have taken a quarterback which I would not have liked at all short-term, or they could take Barkley. And they took Barkley. I'm high on Barkley. I know you and Brad less high, but one thing for sure, Barkley is going to be a lot more valuable this year than Rosen would have been to the New York Giants. Okay, so let let me share where I agree with you. Now, Brad, we talked on Straight Out of Vegas, our Fox National show. Straight Out of Vegas, Fridays at 11 p.m. to midnight. Saturday starts an hour earlier, 10 to midnight. That's Pacific time, 11 to midnight on Friday, 10 to midnight on Saturday. Fox National, across the country, Series 83. So you are, that. would you say, Brad, as a college expert, and that's a huge advantage in the draft and NFL handicapping, you know these players, guy like Fezzik, and that's why you guys working together is so good. A lot of these players he knows a little bit because he handicaps college football some, but he's more of a guy that, that takes expert information and knows how to sift through it in a wonderful way in college. NFL, he's originating so it might take him a couple years to know the players as well as you do. 
Would you say on Barkley you're below average in what you think of him versus other experts or just below Fezzik? Below average. Why? Like Barkley, don't love him. And, and what I at least saw last year out of Saquon Barkley, high variance, had some great stat-popping games, five of them where he ran for over 100 yards. A lot of it due to the fact he's got the great speed, had 65, 70-yard runs that inflated his stats, but also had five or six games where he got absolutely no production, like a 50-yard performance against Rutgers, 40 yards against Ohio State. And I'm concerned if Barkley can't break the big run, which I think is less likely because he's not playing a Rutgers, a Temple, an Akron, an Indiana. I have my concerns. And Penn State might have had their concerns because there's only three games this year where, you know, Saquon Barkley was the bell cow where he had more than 20 carries in a game. Brad, let me ask you, would you you still would have Barkley clear-cut number one running back in the draft, though, right? Oh, that's a slam dunk. So Again, like him, I'm just not in love with him. Because the baseline seems to be the best running back since Adrian Peterson. The, or hmm. prospect. So you're clearly below that. W- way below that. And Fez, I think you're there, if not a little higher, because right now, now listen, guys, before Fezzik says this, <laughs> before, I think you're going to think less of him after he says it. So before he says it, I want to say, this is a guy that, well, let me say it like this. In all the five boroughs, I'm known. I'm known all over the f-ing world. So even guys like that that's known all over the effing world makes mistakes. So take it with a grain of salt. Right now, game one of the NFL season, where's Barkley ranked in valuable running backs to you? Yeah, top five. No, 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 no. You said three. You said three. So you're already backtracking. <laughs> I'm already backtracking. And this is part of the wisdom of crowd. So I came in and said top three. And but we I- argued about it 20 minutes on the radio. Somehow that wisdom took a while to seep in. <laughs> well, I'm a, as I've gotten older, I've gotten maybe a little more stubborn. But I would actually argue as I've gotten older, I've gotten more accepting of um, some some items. And we talk about running backs. But make the important. case even at five. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean... I get it. There's prospects. And I also agree with the following. In a weird way, I think a running back going in, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but even after the draft, the Giants O-line is above average at this point. Would you agree with that? I'd say it's below average. Below average. Yeah. I don't know why I've been hearing people say, oh, they, you know, now that they've got the line solidified, maybe they're just figuring the draft choices. You might have heard in the second round with their first pick, they took probably the best run run blocking guard in the last five to seven years in college football. So you Even heard better lot. than the Notre Dame guy that went like That's six. what Mel Kuyper uh, said. I oh, wouldn't. wow. Yeah, Mel <laughs> Kuyper said that. I wouldn't. Quint Nelson's a better run blocker than. But, but again, a good, yeah. a good, okay. Yes. So I think. A lot in, and I think Colin made this point is who's going to be rookie of the year odds wise is a very different proposition than who's going to be the most valuable player picked in a draft because it's who's ready to step up and play, what positions tend to perform well in rookie seasons. And I think a high impact running back getting a lot of carries and touches has a ton of a chance to be impactful. So the idea of, well, how valuable is he is really tantamount to saying, well, how impactful is he? How much difference does he make? And I think thinking Barkley is going to make more difference than even Mayfield, even if he turns out to be pretty good because quarterbacks end up taking longer. Oftentimes as much as we like Carson Wentz second half of his rookie year, there was a lot of talk of, Oh, maybe we got too excited about this guy 
right? And then second year, he made a leap. So I'm not questioning that Barkley could really be impactful. It's more impactful, though, than all but a handful. Of, what, Le'Veon Bell, the Arizona running back, you know, assuming he's back healthy, Zach, or Zeke Elliott? I mean, but what about the Rams running back? I mean, where's he? So that's it. It's those four. So <laughs> on your original th- theory that he was uh, a top three now, was it Johnson from Arizona that was out? What, who didn't make the list? Yeah, Johnson was injured, obviously, last year. and he, Is he injured him, this we, year? No, he should be fine. So he should be top five. You know, that's a great question. Would I rather have the Rams running back or Barkley? I'm really not sure. I think it's real close. Are I'm you taking, stoned? <sighs> pretty much. <laughs> that's insane. A lot of people think Gurley's the most valuable running back. or. A lot of people think Gurley's the, the the clearly the best running back in the NFL. And he's underperformed for years. He had a nice year last year when there was a whole lot of footballs to give everyone. I've never been all that impressed with Gurley compared to the national media. He finally had you know correct offensive coaching last year. Well, could that be? Some... He had a good quarterback to help destroy. Good, so he's he... golf good. I think we're going a little far there. He had a good, really good coach that had, was able, and some really, really good wide receivers to spread the field for. Him. I, I think you are high though. Todd Gurley, a proven <laughs> NFL back over a rookie that Running you haven't backs seen. Regress like in, in year three and four. That first year can be a home run. Look at Zeke. That's Steve Fazek. Steve Fazek. <laughs> He's easy. Okay. If you want that kind of crazy talk mixed in with some brilliant stuff. At Fezzik Sports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K, <laughs> at Fezzik Sports. Whenever RJ and I disagree strongly, I do want to disclose I'm right at least a fourth of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, RJ Bell. I hear you. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> boy, we're going to leave. We're going to remember that. Talk. I mean, he has some famous ones over the years. Yeah. Gurley, he'd rather have. Now, if you look at the contract situation, that complicates matters greatly. But if they both were on the same five-year deal, ooh, ooh, Nelly. Oh, for five years, I'd much rather have Barkley from this year through year five. Gurley, three years from now, might be out of the league, RJ. No, no, obviously youth. I, I haven't seen Gurley slow down at all. So, But it happens fast, usually, right? When it happens, it happens. Pregame.com, I'm RJ Bell. Okay, so because of... Barkley, you've upgraded the Giants how much? Half a point. Okay. And nobody else. And ha- what's a ha- that's an interesting question because we're going to now go to win totals. And at the end of the pod, you're going to give us the one you made a big bet on and three other ones right now that you've bet on also. A half a point is worth what on a season win total? You get eight points in the aggregate for the year. That probably should get you close to, but not all the way to one extra win. Let's call it point six of an extra win. So more than half a win for a half a point per game. Yeah. Yeah. You go to two overtimes. That turns into an automatic win. That's a, boy, I would have guessed less. I would have guessed less. Let's think about that a second. Well, I guess maybe a podcast isn't the time to think. I'll re- so, I'm going to research that and I will yeah. tweet it. I'll so, tweet guy, it. yeah, that's an interesting question because if you look at margin, I mean, this would be heavier math, right? Because, well, first off, if you're thinking a half a point, the theory is that's blended through because people might say, well, no game's decided by a half a point. So, but in theory, if you make overtime, but it's not like 
it's going to be a half a point every game. Sometimes a player might play below average a game and, and then be dominant in another game. And so how do you figure out how much a half? But under that theory, well, let's go the other way. How much is a really good quarterback worth? Now, I think Brady the Castle is a great example. Because Castle, though he won 11 games, in hindsight, he was a below-average quarterback. So let's just say going from elite, and Brady was in his prime, it was his best year off the undefeated year, 16 to 11. Now, obviously, there's other factors, but I think to say, is it fair to say from elite to average is five wins a quarterback? Yeah, I think that's a good number. And actually, you know, RJ, I then how does Aaron Rodgers, what would Green Bay's win total be without Aaron Rodgers? Five? Four and a half. Four and a half. And it's like nine. With Hundley? Four and a half. <laughs> and it's nine and a half? Yes. Uh, so that's about right. Okay, so that's interesting. But I Go do ahead. have an answer. I, I've thought about this a little bit more. Silently. Silently. <laughs> so I said it's an eight-point difference over the course of a year. So let's just say that, let's just do one game. That it's uh, The whole impact's on one game. It's a pick'em game. And instead of being a four-point dog, I become a four-point favorite. I'm so you're win. adjusting eight points, so you're taking the whole value, and I don't understand why you're doing this, but we'll listen into one game. Because it simplifies the math greatly. Yeah. So now I go from having a one-third chance to win that game to having a two-thirds chance. goes back to you being correct. It looks like it's only worth about a third of a point to have an well, extra A third half, of a game. A third of a game to have a half point in each and every game. Okay, now... But let's extend this out. And maybe it's not exactly, you know, X or 5X or whatever it ends up being. But the best quarterbacks are worth 10 points or so. Uh, Aaron Rodgers certainly is. So that means that's 20 times as much as a half point. So if we go 20 times three, it's going to be like six, six and a fraction, two-thirds wins. So... We're not that far off. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. And frankly, the 10 points, that's about as big a difference as, as we yeah. ever see. Nine so is probably. It, it, well, yeah, but even if you, well, Brady or um, Roger certainly was 10 this year. He yes. went up to 12 at one point after that first bad game. But you're right. After Rogers, I mean, even Brady. Now, Brady's usually had good backups with Jimmy G, but. <laughs> but. <laughs> never Fez, lost. Fez's crush. Never lost an NFL game that he started, Jimmy G. Boy, mm. I, if Fez only liked me that much, or who knows where I, <laughs> I, there'd be the sky's the limit, baby. But I mean, I think with Hoyer right now and Brady, obviously we can talk about what if he gets old fast, but even last year with Hoyer, I think Brady wasn't worth more than seven points, maybe six points with Hoyer was a heck of a backup though. People don't realize you agree with that. Yes, but I'm concerned he regressed. He is the only Cleveland starting quarterback with any kind of sample size. But he size played well for San Francisco, a, too. Yes, with a winning record. Yeah, so I think that's right. So a third of a, so every point of value is worth two-thirds of a win. Okay, good. Wow, that was fun. Making the sausage. You know, let's be candid. Great stuff, Fez. Now we're going to go down your three other bets you've made and then best bet at the end. Bet number one, this is a win total, 16 games, regular season NFL, over under these number of wins. He's already bet it. New England Patriots, under 12 wins. I think the odds maker. What was your lay price on the under? Minus ten. I think the odds. Wow. Where did you get that at? I got this at CGT. I wouldn't mind a little piece of that take. Yeah, me too. I wish I could have gotten more. <laughs> the odds makers got a little cute, I think, on this one, where 
what happened is that the worst division in football is the AFC East. And the reason it's so bad is because, well, New England's obviously good, but Buffalo, Miami, and the Jets are all so subpar that New England's schedule. Now, hold on. A lot of people might say, wait a minute. You mean the playoff Bills team? They won't make the playoffs this year, RJ. More than likely. So do you think they were just very lucky last year, or do you think they've gotten significantly worse? Both. And and the quarterback situation is the key Uh, with with the worst? Yes, their quarterback situation is much worse, and the team was lucky to make the playoffs. So combination. Okay. So bad division. And remember, this is a concept we talk about all the time, which is any kind of win total, any kind of uh, future title prop, there's two factors. Factor number one is how good the team is, their power rating. Factor number two is how difficult is their path to whatever you're betting, in this case, winning 16 games or winning X games among 16. So you're saying six games of the Pats are against these three teams that you all think are below average. Absolutely. But the odds makers know this also. And I think they overcorrected essentially saying, oh, New England's going to go five and one or six and oh in division because of that cupcake schedule. And they set it at 12. Bottom line is I just don't have New England being a good enough football team to line them at 12 season wins. 11 in my eyes would have been a better number. I had to play 12 even with that under 12, even with that cupcake schedule. And since you made the bet, how has the line moved? It has gone down. It's You can still get 11.5. I still think that's a decent bet. Um, 11.5, you got to pay a little extra vig also on the under. Okay, so it's gone from 12 flat to 11.5 with a smidge more on the end. So it's moved to half a game plus. Yeah, I'd call it, it's moved about 0.7 games. Okay, now for those that convert win totals where you say, okay, I can go under 10.5 and lay this, or I can go under 11 and lay less. In the now, it's different in college, especially in college with the very best teams, because there's only a couple of games. You know, sometimes a, a, a half a game for a college team might be worth like 120 cents because it's like it's almost impossible to imagine a Boise in certain spots not winning 10. But now they've got two tough games. Are they going to split or go into? But if you can actually go over 10, it's like it's hard to imagine losing. It's a, almost a free roll, though obviously. Anything can happen. But in the NFL, there's no such extremely valuable wins. Thus, it's pretty uniform, and I would say worth about 60 cents a half win. I use 50 cents, but I think on a team like the Patriots, where when you're at the very high end and the low end of the losses, I think it's worth upwards of 60 cents. So it's the phenomenon I'm talking about, just a lot less so. Exactly. And so just to to, to clarify, so that when I played the Patriots under 12, lay a dollar ten. That would be the equivalent of playing if it had been out there under 12 and a half, lay it minus a dollar sixty. Do you agree that in certain spots on the very high end with college at the half points are extremely valuable? Brad? Absolutely. No question about it. Awesome. Okay. And Brad's going to be breaking down the big 12 and not too long. How much last question on the pads. How much of this is driven by, Oh, Gronk's mad. Brady's mad. Brady's taking the Fifth Amendment on. Is he? Does he feel appreciated? Does that create? Because it's back to that narrative. I think it's got people talking about problems in Pat's land. I would have thought there might have been value on the over, but boy, it seems like at least Vegas didn't take it too seriously. 
Vegas didn't take it seriously, especially in the first round when they drafted the lineman out of Georgia. And then they drafted the running back, Michelle, out of, um, out of Georgia as well. Clearly, New England is trying to win this year. And so the odds makers took note. And I just think they over-adjusted. All that was bullish and good for New England, but they basically moved the number up from like a 10 and a half or an 11 all the way to 12. Too much of an adjustment. And I think we should take bows when they're deserved is I think we looked at the Pats draft as a leading indicator based on their mindset. If they took a quarterback in the first round, Lamar Jackson was rumored. There's rumor they wanted Baker Mayfield really badly too, uh, which seems crazy to me. But again, what do I know, right? Really? But hold on one second, Fez. Is the fact that they drafted non-quarterbacks in the first round, so more for this year, and right after the draft, right before, and based on when you want to say it was made quote unquote official, Brady saying, I'm playing, Gronk saying he's played. It felt like a power play with those guys to get the Pats to focus on this year, not the post Brady transition. And I got to give you accolades here because as I was watching the draft, I talked about how for 31 of the 32 teams, I didn't change my power ratings. I was ready, RJ. If New England had taken a quarterback in that first round, Boom, I was going to take out and get more New England under, get under 11 and a half, because I felt that that would have had a significant enough locker room problem that it would have originated that that issue. But now it's all the hugs and smiles based upon the draft. Because really, the Stones, as I call them, some say the Rolling Stones, (laughs) Mick and the Boys, they have a song which was really early. I think it was written by someone else called The Last Time. And it says, this could be the last time, baby. We don't know. And it's true. You never know. And the Pats, we know we're down to the last, I mean, maybe it's three years. But boy, could you imagine Brady playing that fourth year from now? So there's two ways to think about that. Oh, let's start getting disgruntled, which I think older players tend to when the chance of a championship is small. Now it's like, I'm older. I don't want to put up with this BS or who knows what drives it. But if you got a valid chance in the Pats or the favor to win the Super Bowl, to win the Super Bowl, you're only going to have a couple more. Well, this could be the last time. That should help the team come together. Maybe there's going to be some ebbs and flows in the offseason. But, boy, I, you got to think it's going to help the team come together. Excellent point. Pregame.com, R.J. Bell with Steve Fezzik, Brad Powers. I'm R.J. Bell, as I said, and <laughs> Mackie on the dead mic. Say hi, Mackie. No, into the mic, though, but it won't work. See? He can't say anything. <laughs> he's totally... He, we just unleash him when it's time for... He's like a... <laughs> he's like, he's like, a, like a wild dog just waiting to get unleashed <laughs> to attack the prey. And the prey is the bookies. Oh, that's, that's an interesting question. I'm going to turn your mic on a second. You're a really... You've got that OP... You're like an OP-esque nice guy. Do you hate bookies? I was going to say, you're saying rabid dog, and I'm wearing this collared shirt, so something didn't quite fit there, but I'm not too fond of them, though. No. Do you hate them, though, or, or do you hate saying the word hate? I hate saying the word hate. Well said. Mm. Mike's off. If he would have said he hates them, I would have let him talk a little yeah. more. You got to see how you listen, more you deal with them, more you'll hate them. Except Matty Holt. He's okay. I still very adversarial with him, unless he's <laughs> here with us. And we act like we like him. And then, you know, when he's gone, we'll whisper. You believe he said that? 
I'm just pumping them for information before everybody. That's what you do for everybody, yeah. though. <laughs> hey, Brad, you got a really good season one? I'm the dirtiest player in the game. Everybody knows now, Fez. Next team after the Pats. Well, you mentioned this could be the last time. I think it's applicable to the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, we all love Russell Wilson, but I played Seattle under nine wins for my second bet. I couldn't believe they dealt them at nine. This is all about power ratings. My closing power rating last year, RJ, had Seattle only one point better than an average team. And now don't have it all outlined here about the Legion of Boom and everyone who's left. But I know Seattle should be worse this year than last year, under nine, one fine wager. Now, I think the O-line was a huge problem. I mean, that's not saying anything for Seattle last year. But I was surprised how well the defense played. Could this be a situation that maybe we're going to look back in hindsight and say these players that seem to be borderline or maybe even clearly Hall of Famers, that it was system-based? And not saying they weren't good, but it felt like if the end of last year was any indication, not that it's a short thing, but maybe this is one where they can plug and play on that defensive side. It's possible. It's possible Pete Carroll can pull a rabbit out of his hat, and it is the system. But I really think that this is the year that that great Seattle defense regresses to the point that it becomes much more like an average defense. Okay, and you bet that under, and how did the line move? Uh, it was nine. I had to lay minus a dollar fifty. Now, so that was wow. So you're saying it's only forty? If a half game is worth fifty cents, and you laid forty extra from the minus one ten flat, you pretty much were playing under eight and a half, though. I was, but now it's difficult to find under eight. It is free falling. You're saying it's like it's moving to seven and a half? Yeah, it's down to under under eight with Vig to the under right now. Well, I'm going to be batting over. You're telling me if I can get seven and a half flat on Seattle. I think you will later on. Yes. You're telling me that. Wow. I'd bet the over seven and a half in that division. That's the Rams. Well, I forgot you love Jimmy G. You got the Rams and the 49ers. Both teams significantly better than Seattle this year. mm, 49ers significantly better. What's their current win total? Nine. In flat, about flat juice? About flat. Okay. Third team. Third team perennially underachieving the Los Angeles Chargers. Oh, God, over? Over eight. I'm sick of this Charger. When are they going to win some game? I I think it's been four years I've heard how they're better than their record. Maybe at some point we're going to figure out that there's something else wrong there. It's possible, and of course I'm worried about... I'm going to open them out and do it. I'm worried about the coaching. I'm worried about the fact that they only have seven home games. Some can argue they got none because they still have to play in a soccer stadium in L.A. Bottom line is eight wins, RJ. The Chargers are a significantly better than average team. How do you rate the AFC West? It's a great question. It's pretty average, actually, because Kansas City is going to be way down, I think, compared to last year. What's their win total? Eight. Eight and a half, but um, as you'll find out, there's reasons it's it's dropped down to eight. And uh, the Raiders... What do you mean, as I'll find out? It's Mackey's best bet. Ooh, but we don't know if it's over or under. Going to have to wait. So, guys, a little tip. you When you talk, talk into the mic. See, see the... It's, yes. It's kind of rounded. So, basically, a division... <laughs> Full, eat the mic, Steve. <laughs> a division full of four teams that are all right projected to be close to five hundred. Hey now. Okay. <laughs> we're moving on. So three now, last thing. We were doing a little prep. 
And you said, wow, you've never seen these divisions. I, I thought that question might naturally segue you into it is three division, or you said there's two divisions, one really good, one really bad. And the rest are pretty much parody or, or right around average. So which are the two? Now what the AFC East is the bad one. That's the bad one. Even though they have new England, you've got three losing teams, clearly Projected to be below average teams with New England. That's the division that's the weakest. What's the good one? The NFC South. Because although you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in it, you've got three contending teams in the NFC South. All right, so tick off, tip off the tick off the win totals for the three other teams. Uh, Atlanta Falcons nine and a half. Carolina Panthers nine. New Orleans Saints nine and a half. Wowza, wowza. And and even Tampa Bay, I've heard some people optimistic about them. What's their number? Six and a half. But I, the reason I think it's that low is because they have to play in such a difficult division. You know, maybe I'm uh, in the minority here, but I think that AFC South, which has been so bad in general for years now, I mean, and again, maybe I'm just more optimistic. You know, I think Tennessee made the playoffs, but you might say, oh, Tennessee, they're average. And I think Colts back with Andrew Luck, but it's like, well, you know, is he really going to be able to throw like he used to? Houston back with Watson. It's like, yeah, but two knee injuries. How long does he hold up? I mean, what do, what do you think of, of the AFC South? I think that you have a very, very sneaky good forecast here where the AFC South could be and the then best. Jack, and obviously Jacksonville. Be, I mean, think about that. If if Luck comes back, and and even if the rest of the team – is is as bad because it seems like they had a good draft. But let's assume, but we don't predict those things. Let's assume the rest of the team is as bad last year, which I think that's almost impossible with this new GM seems to be on it, beyond the draft. But if Andrew Luck plays like he used to, if you know that God comes down and says, Andrew Luck's going to have a typical season for him when he's healthy, which is a, a, a really good season. I mean, you got to make the Colts nine or nine and a half, right? No, the defense is too bad. But you're you're but close. They, they made they made the AFC Championship game twice. Has the has the non Andrew Luck players gotten significantly worse on the Colts over the last three or four years? I think they've gotten worse, not significantly because worse. Because remember, this team when they made the playoffs with Lucky's rookie year was a team that got the first pick the year before. Sure. So Andrew Luck, when he's playing well, makes the Colts a playoff team when he's healthy. Has they, have they ever not made the playoffs when he's played a majority of the year? I think they made it every time. And I, I, so I'm, I'm, what are you I'm, talking I'm, about? I'm, no, I'm just it's just a matter of semantics. I'd make it eight and a half, just like Jacksonville's eight and a half, which would put them right at the top of this division. And, what's, and if, if, Watts, if Watson is healthy the whole year, nine, nine, okay, and Tennessee, you know, eight, eight over one thirty. The market has Tennessee at eight. I'm. Not as high. I've, I've, yeah, but I, I we're make talking a, about twenty or thirty cents. So yeah, the, the point. Have you bet under Tennessee? I did under eight. Okay. So the point I'm making is, if this, if that division's healthy at quarterback, it could be the best. It, it certainly is the deep. The idea that Tennessee's the worst team. There's not an easy game. It's the deepest division. I think this is very prescient of you because what's happening. We got Houston who won four games last year. We got the Colts that won four games. If Watson. And luck, week one, we'll see it in preseason, are ready to go and are effective. Boom, this becomes the best division. Any closing thoughts in the NFL? Really strong stuff. And remember, guys, 
each week, we're going to be talking 15, 20 minutes of NFL, different angles, different things, but it will be not only preparing for this season, but it's going to be attempting to educate you guys in the handicapping from an NFL perspective that can help you next year and years to come. Okay, quick commercial break. Okay, guys, got to feel good about this. Bet DSI, they work with Podcast One, advertise extensively on there. But usually, usually in the during the football season and March Madness and such, but it's a big week and they're back. And part of the Podcast One, like the dream preview is. And what do we got going on this weekend? Think about it NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Kentucky Derby. We got Triple G fighting and baseball, right? Dime lines in general, which means reduced juice. Big, big weekend. And we've got a special because you're listening to the Dream Preview. You use promo code DREAM25. This is at betdsi.com. So you go to betdsi.com and use DREAM25. 25 and you get a free $25 bonus just for signing up. That's it. No obligation. And with that 25, you can try out. Oh, what's the value of the free 25 on one hand, try to get someone to give you $25. That's what my dad used to say. It's like, you know, I'd be like 10. Hey, can I have five bucks? It's like, no, I'd say it's only (laughs) five bucks. And then he'd say, try to get someone to give you $5. I learned he was right about that one. There's only been two or three times. I've always been very frugal where I always wanted to live like two levels below my means. And because to me, the security of not having to be desperate for money was more important. And I wanted my bankroll to be nice and robust was more important than having a especially nice car or whatever. I've only had three cars in my life. I'm 47 years old. Wow. I had an 87 Camaro until two thousand and five. I drove that car to Vegas, whole thing, 87. And then I had a 2001 Jeep Grand Cherokee I bought in 2005. But then in 2016, I actually bought a brand new Grand Cherokee. First new car. Well, I guess my parents bought the Camaro, but it was like a family car and it kind of segued into mine. So now you know how frugal I am. You don't have to debate that one anymore. Is I love the idea, though, with the Dream 25 here at Bet DSI, that on one hand, you get the 25 bucks to play with. But number two, it's a free chance to experience this site because if they're spending a bunch of money and it's a big operation. So what you got to worry about online is let's be candid sometimes and it hasn't happened as much recently. These places just shut down the mom and pops that used to put an ad in some magazine and then disappear one day. That doesn't happen when a sports book is spending literally millions of dollars branding themselves. They're saying we want the bet DSI brand to be really strong. We're going to spend millions of dollars but then one day we're going to disappear. That doesn't mean, listen, anything can happen, right? The U.S. government can default. But in general, when a book is is got a long-term business view like Bet DSI seems to, to me, that's a good sign. 
So if they end up having a user interface or the customer service, whatever it is you judge, the amount of bets that they offer, the do they have favorite lines, dog lines, there's all kind of factors on what books matter uh, or what factors that matter when you decide on which book you want. Each of you guys have your own choice about what matters to you, but you get with Dream 25 now, both the free 25 and the chance to find out, hey, is Bet DSI a book we want to add to our arsenal for next year? So not only do you get with Dream Dream 25, that's D-R-E-A-M, the number two, the number five, that free 25, but also a hundred percent bonus on your first deposit. And that goes all the way up to twenty five hundred. So if you're a small batter, you want to put a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks in, well, you double it. It's like an it's like a free winner in a way, a guaranteed winner. That doubling and it doubles all the way up to twenty five hundred dollars. So use Dream twenty five batdsi.com, batdsi.com. Dream twenty five is the promo code. And if you're gonna do it anytime before football, now is the time. It would seem. Oh, True Car, my old friend. True Car is about helping your car needs. Here's some tips. A coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. Brad, have you done that yet? Oh, I still haven't. Removing excess weight from your car will improve gas mileage. Is that why, Fez, you won't, like, if I if I say, hey, I need a ride somewhere, you say, busy. <laughs> I always give no car rides. <laughs> oh, well, Mackie Slender. He's, he's, he's mysterious. And the old classic, can you place a key fob to your chin to increase its range? Most don't know about these tips. You also might not know about True Car helps people get used cars. That's right. True Car isn't just for buying new cars with their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars. You'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with True Car, users can see what others paid. I love that insight. I don't want to be a sucker. I, I want the best price possible, but if I get wronged on a price, my negativity is more about being a sucker. Yeah, I don't want to pay that extra you know, X money, but I don't want to be a sucker. Guys, when's the last time you felt like a sucker when it comes to money and betting? Not betting, but when I spent two fifteen for that Mountain Dew, and Steve Cofield let me know it should only be ninety nine cents. <laughs> but he goaded you into that, and you're still talking about it weeks later. You're frugal too, it would seem. Or you I just still, you just like value. Well, I want to stay married, and that means <laughs> no more frugality for me. <laughs> At least he's being honest. But by seeing what others paid, you know if you're getting a good deal before buying. And there's nothing worse than having buyer's remorse. They're also more likely to enjoy, if you use True Car, a faster buying experience by connecting with these True Car certified dealers. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states, but you know the drill. If it's featured in yours, take advantage. It's NBA time. Fez, let's keep it rolling. You know, actually, let's do, let's do Big 12 talk with Brad first. So we'll do 
Keep the football motif. All right, Brad, each week, all the way up through the start of the season, we're going to be breaking down a conference. You're going to give an overrated and an underrated team and some other facts too. And here's your commitment. You're going to personally bet on the underrated team somehow. Might be to win the conference. It might be whatever. And you're going to bet against the overrated team somehow. And all those tickets are going up at pregame.com in the forms. You're not just going to say, I bet so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. You're going to actually, up at pregame, have the tickets yep. from the Vegas book. So let's start in the Big 12. We're going to go underrated to start, and Baylor is my underrated team in the Big 12, and I'm going to bet them over any season win total priced at five, five and a half. I'm going over that season win total so for six, Baylor. So six you pass. Six I pass. But keep in mind, Baylor only won one game last year, so I'm expecting significant improvement from a team that won one game, and I expect to go to a bowl this season. Why? Well, I thought last year for Baylor was the ultimate ground zero, year zero situation out of any new coach where you had an entirely new system being put in place. Matt Rule comes over looking to put a pro-style offense in from the high tempo that Art Bryles had. And this was a Baylor team that had won seven straight years, had a winning season, and plus you had all the distractions going around the program and many injuries. Number one reason why I'm finding value in Baylor, returning experience. The most experienced Big 12 team coming into this season and a team that was banged up most of the season. Great stat on Baylor. Probably the best stat I've seen. And it wasn't so good for Baylor last year. 54 players made a start for Baylor last year. 54. Let's put that in perspective. That's like having every single first team, second team, offense and defensive player make a start. Not playing a game, make a start. Plus the third team, offense. Every single player on the third team offense made a start. 54 different players, more than any other team in the country. Banged up Baylor team, going to get more experience this year coming back and a more forgiving schedule for Baylor. That's why I think they go from one win to six. We talked about this on the Dream Preview a little, or I'm sorry, check that on the Fox National show, straight out of Vegas. I also think there's potentially an element here where as they get more distance from that humongous controversy that wasn't just about co- a coach or a player, it was about coaches, administration, chancellors. I mean, it feels like the energy level in this program is good, and I think in years or last year, I think specifically, not so much. Great question, RJ, and legitimate one as well. Uh, you look at Baylor last year, he had a bunch of distractions, and also what happened early. Well, Baylor lost to Liberty, an FCS team, so that negativity just really, you know, I would say multiplied itself throughout the course of the early part of the season. They also lost the UTSA, so things got real negative early this year. I expect Baylor to be an easy favorite in their first three games. So when that happens, and if they get those wins, I think a much more positive experience. One factor we can know this, it's not mattering so much to these players that they've recruited. Baylor, the last two years under Matt Rule, has actually recruited better than the last two years under Art Bryles. So the fact that he's getting these prospects in and it's not mattering to them, I think this is a non-factor, at least moving forward. And I also think as a coach is there longer and he gets his players, because even though a lot of the players that stayed on the team from Art Browse, it it's not as if they were involved in the controversy, but they were so drained by it, tainted by it. And this year there's even more players that are that are gonna get significant playing time that weren't even there when it started. Another so great point. More almost like there was a death penalty, but there wasn't. 
right? But there was a, almost a, a spiritual death penalty in a yep. way. All right, flip it around. Who are you looking to fade? Not often do I want to fade Gary Patterson in TCU, but this year I do. Number one factor, TCU, the least experienced team in the Big 12. Only seven returning starters, lose four of their five offensive linemen, lose their quarterback, running back, top receiver, and also three of their top four tacklers on defense. Also, I'm not liking what I see from at least this TCU program. Very volatile since they moved to the Big 12. Three years, it's been six years. They have three years of winning 11 games or more. And then they have three years where they've had a losing combined record. And this is a year where TCU's coming off an 11-win season. So I'm going to sell high for TCU. And I'm not liking an inexperienced team early on, especially when you got to face Ohio State and Texas in September. I think there's going to be at least some, I would say, maybe some negativity because I expect them to lose those couple of games with a young team maybe not having you know a lot of confidence early on, losing a couple of games, selling TCU anything at eight, or more, I'm going under their season win total. Tell you, Brad, when he's got the info and he's prepped, and which he's always prepped, but when it's he knows what the question's going to be and he's ready for it, that's a that's a knowledge bomb he drops. Very well delivered. You know, we're still five months away, but I got to say, how can you go into college football season with not without having a full access? To Brad's brain in college football. <laughs> Speaking of Brad's brain, check out the big brain on Brad. Okay, quick run through here, rapid fire. You did know about Baker Mayfield. I do. Okay, so <laughs> how's Oklahoma look? I think Oklahoma's underrated, believe it or not. A lot of people, because of the, and they're going to think, oh, without Baker Mayfield, what's Oklahoma going to do? I like Oklahoma this year because of that fact. Not obviously prefer Baker Mayfield to be there, but who's he got as a backup? Kyler Murray has starting experience at Texas A&M, has starting experience last year at Oklahoma, was the number one high school quarterback coming out. So I think they're going to be fine, especially a plug-and-play type of offensive system like Lincoln Riley has. So not as huge of a concern as everyone else has about the quarterback spot. Oklahoma's clearly the best team in this league, six points better than any other team. I have my biggest futures bet right now on Oklahoma 25-1 to to win the national title. Is that still out there? No. 20 to 1 in most spots, 15 to 1. But I still like it at 20 to 1. Head of the game, head of the game. All right, last team, quick review. UT, Hook'em Horns, a lot of people interested. Yeah, and like Texas as well. It was a team that was a little bit of hard luck last year because of injury. New coach Tom Herman lost a couple of close games early to Oklahoma and USC that, that were really good performances. Got to figure out the quarterback spot between Sam Ellinger and also Shane Bouchelle. As soon as they figure that out, I think it's an 8-9 win team for Texas, and you're thinking, ah, what's that matter? Well, Texas hasn't been an 8-9 win team in about five or six years. No doubt, and I said this on the radio. If, you have a, if you're an Ohio State fan, an Alabama fan, a fan of a team that's won and won and won recently, appreciate it. Because it feels like, oh, that, you know, we're going to keep winning. Well, you look at Oklahoma, Oklahoma they went, had a time before Stoops with uh, Shalom, was it Shalom, what was his name? It wasn't Howard Schnellenberger. Schneller, yeah, Schmallenberger. <laughs> Gary Gibbs, they had some yeah. bad ones in there. And boom, then you get the right guy in. And obviously Texas, you had said, and you have the stat, up until they started this downturn, the most consistent team we've seen in a long time. Yeah, at one point from the late 90s through so about 2010, Texas had 10 consecutive years of winning 10 or more games. Brad Powers on Twitter. Brad Powers, that's plural, P-O-W-E-R-S, seven. No one knows what the seven's for. He refuses to tell us. Brad <laughs> Powers, seven, that's the number, on Twitter. 
I'll tell you guys, work for Phil Steele. Maybe it's the seven years with Phil Steele. Who knows? Maybe the hottest girl he's ever been with is a seven. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not judging. Could be his lifetime goal is, is seven girlfriends. I, I'm not going to judge anything. It is Brad Power seven. And, and honestly, though, he was with Phil for seven years. This is a guy that was a huge contributor to the annual, all the newsletters, and he puts out a ton of free content up at pregame.com. His Twitter is the best way to connect with it. Okay, guys. Wow. Good pace. Good info. It's Dream Preview. I'm RJ Bell. Now we're going to NBA. Here's what we're going to do. Four series. We're going to talk about Fez's number one factor in each series. Taping Tuesday night and released Wednesday a.m. Remember, guys, subscribe to the Dream Preview. You don't miss anything that way. It's free. Just go to the player that you use. And if you have more than one player, subscribe more than once. And that that actually helps us. Uh, And it will obviously help you too if you enjoy the show. And by the way, this week, we're going to do No Don't Bet on it. And we're going to have a full Kentucky Derby preview with Fred Fowler. If you listen last year, it was really good. Fred's preview, really, really good. We'll do about, you know, 50 minutes or so on the Kentucky Derby. And that comes out Friday a.m., 6 a.m. So when we do have these one-off podcasts, you'll get them if you subscribe. Just go to your player, search for RJ Bell, and say subscribe to the Dream Preview. You get them, and don't bet on it. We'll return next week. And we do that when there's not a second natural pod. We enjoy the don't bet on it. But if there's gambling to do, well, that's where we start. That's certainly where we start. Okay, NBA time. Fez, we're starting with the Pelicans. Look at the Pelican and Golden State. Number one takeaway. Pelicans have value. They've remained undervalued. And it's all about Meritick joining the team, RJ. Since this guy, he shaved his beard. He entered the starting lineup. They were 9-0 and straight up and against the spread. I'm not going to overreact in a game one or game two situations. I think New Orleans solid value throughout the series. Okay, so value can come from many places. But probably the most uh, intuitive is the idea that this team's just better than people think. And... Is that it? Pelicans are just better than people think. Absolutely. And the additional player? Meritick. He came from Meritick. He came from the Bulls. The Bulls were tanking, as you remembered. He was their best player. He single-handedly put the Bulls over their season total, and they got Bulls got rid of him because they couldn't tank with him. So if Cousins were playing today, would this be one of the best teams in the NBA? Well, Cousins should be better than Meritick. But, but it's no. not either or, right? It, it just wasn't as good a fit. This- no, no, no. But I'm not saying one versus the other. I'm saying if Cousins were healthy with the current team, how good are the Pelicans? I think they'd be about a point and a half better, which still doesn't put them anywhere close to being the best teams in the NBA. But they're not valued as being one of the best teams in the NBA. Thus, that's why they're getting 11 points in game one and two in the series. Okay, now we're going to be talking Toronto and Cleveland in a moment, but there's a uh, it, a backup point guard for Toronto that you have a crush on. What's his name? Um, Van Vliet. Van Vliet. <laughs> How many points did you say on straight out of Vegas? 
There's a show on Friday night and Saturday night that you should check out called Straight Out of Vegas. How many points did you say on just Fox National Radio 330 stations? That's all. Coast to coast, sea to shiny sea, nationwide. You said Van Vliet was worth how many points? Point and a half. Hmm. So Cousins and Van Vliet worth the same. Hmm. Comment. Cousins obviously should be worth a heck of a lot more. Cousins, the cousins. So why are you saying can, you otherwise? Know, because the Boogie Cousins experience, experiment never really has worked so far in New Orleans. I'm really not sure why he and Davis. He, cousins has made the team better, but only slightly better. And I'm really not sure why those two haven't meshed better. And it's a, I think if you really dig in, you can find a good point in there, which is, at some point, all this speculation and estimates and approximations that we do for a living in Vegas, sometimes you just got to say, what's the results? And I get we can always worry about sample size with those results. But, man, I mean, when you have a full NBA season almost, uh, well, I guess he was traded Cousins, you know, before last year, right? So there was a portion of the year before. So what, I'm guessing 80-some 80, 80 games he played with, I think, with I think, healthy? Yeah, I think like 30 end of last year and maybe 40 this year. So we're, we're approaching a, a full season. And frankly, Cousins has been an underachiever, not not in his stats. His stats are great, but the team has underachieved based upon what, what the expectations were. I think, and we're going to get to Houston obviously in a moment, there's tons of value on Houston. Plus 200 is out there to win the title. And... Golden State is even money to win the title. So the, the that idea to me, I object to that Houston with home court is that much the inferior team. And we've debated that the regular season, Houston clearly, clearly the better team than Golden State. But we say, well, look at Houston's history. Look at CP3 in 2011 or whatever. And, oh, Golden State's the defending champions. Okay. But from what I've seen from Houston so far, I mean, it's hard to be disappointed, right? I mean, have you upgraded or downgraded Houston? Upgraded Houston. So they're even better than you thought. Yes, I have them nine and a half points better than an average team. So back to what you're saying with value, RJ. Although with Curry coming back, I did bump Golden State to half a point better than Houston. They're basically at the same levels, and Houston's going to have likely the home court advantage. No, likely. How couldn't they have the home court? They have the best record in the NBA. One of them could lose. And well, but if, this, if Houston loses, round. they're not playing at all. Right. right? So Houston has the home court from here out. Yes. And against Golden State. Yes. Or uh, against um, Utah, they would. Right. So, um, well, I'm sorry. Houston does against Utah, would against Golden State, and would against the Pelicans. Of course. And against anyone in the East. So my point is, if and you really upgrade. How much did you upgrade Golden State? Like three points, right? Entering the playoffs? I Yeah, I had them at eight points, better than an average team. At, at the, the end of the regular season? At the end of the regular season, I had dropped them to like six points better because okay. they were coasting. Exactly. Completely. But you said, okay, the, it's prime time, baby. Let's turn on the lights. And or and let's upgrade them, and even so, and this Golden State team has overperformed. I think it's fair to say in round one, certainly, and still, you think they're only a half point better in Houston, which means huge value on Houston, right? Yes, but it's a little ambiguous. The whole Curry factor, how much better? But the half points better 
Golden State and Houston assumes Curry's there and playing. It assumes he's back, he's playing, and he's at about 85%. Not at all. I refuse to put him at 100%. All right. So if somehow Curry comes back a couple of games and he's killing it, and we're taping before game two, then we reevaluate. But other way, unless you, and again, I guess he can keep getting healthier, but boy, um, these leg injuries with him especially seem to linger. Yeah. And we, and la- the year before last, when they lost down th- uh, up three, one ended up losing to the Cavs and Kyrie, it was like, well, um, you know, Curry really was like 72%. You know, you heard all that in, in retrospect, but you didn't hear it contemporaneously. So, we're not really going to know other than the eye test. I don't think they're going to say he's at 70%. They aren't. And that's a great point you make that it isn't going to be a matter of him slowly improving after he comes back. If anything, he's been out for almost six weeks now. This might be as good as it gets when he comes back game two and then slight regression when the wear and tear of playing again injured becomes a bigger factor. I'm RJ Belty talking to Steve Fezzik, an NBA originator. This is the dream preview. Last thing on Golden State. I think they certainly overperformed without Curry. The um, five games against San Antonio and obviously losing the fourth, they they were one game from a sweep. And then game one against the Pelicans. But here's my question. I feel like there's been a huge upgrade off of saying, well, without Curry, look how well they played. And now that Curry's back, oh, look out. Katie bar the door. But <laughs> one of Brad's <laughs> farm sayings. But <laughs> you ever, your dad ever say early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise? I've heard it, I think, from my grandpa, though. <laughs> he, yeah. he didn't attribute Ben Franklin? No. <laughs> no. He was. <laughs> He was plagiarizing like the various yeah. founders with, yep. with, with like farm aphorisms. Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> <laughs> My point would be, Fez, that it's two different games, meaning Golden State playing without Curry means different players obviously are getting time they wouldn't get otherwise. But even more importantly, they're playing a much slower pace that doesn't even look like the way they play with Curry. Thus, if Curry ends up being out for any extended period of time from here, you could say, well, whatever you thought of Golden State without Curry, those first five games, you should reevaluate and upgrade significantly. But when Curry comes back, my thought is a lot of those upgrades, you got to look at and say they're not applicable anymore. Almost like imagine if a quarterback gets hurt I'll give you a good example. I always remembered this. The San Francisco 49ers during one of the strike years, I'm just thinking 86, but I can't remember. Bill Walsh was the coach. He got all those strike uh, breakers, scabs, whatever you want to call them, that play, the replacement, I think is what they call them players. Nice euphemism. And he went, come out and ran the wishbone. I don't know if you remember that. He figured I can teach this. It's simple. We're having to teach, you know, uh, they got to pick up an offense. The West Coast offense is very complicated. Let's just run the wishbone. So they were running the wishbone all through the replacement games, the 49ers. Let's say they played much, much better than we thought. Now, obviously, this is an extreme case, but once the other players come back, 
Are you going to say, well, we got to upgrade the 49ers. Look how good they look running the wishbone. Well, they're not going to run the wishbone, and they're different players. Now, I know it was the whole team or almost the team was different, but in this case, the one of your two key players is back, and you're running a pretty much whole different offense. Don't we have to take the superior play or the surprisingly good play of Golden State and put an asterisk by that and question any significant upgrade we've seen without Curry because that's not pertinent with Curry back. I think you do, and you could take a look at 100% or somewhat? Somewhat, somewhat. So what mitigates my point? What makes it less than 100%? Well, the fact, it's a tale of two halves. I've got a a sample size of one here. Game two is being played as we tape this. But game one, what happened is they ran up and down the first half against the Pelicans, and they looked great. They played a flawless second quarter and I was shocked because they'd been playing so slow against San Antonio. Muck it up, totally different game. But then, RJ, in the second half, they didn't do as well. And the Pelicans cut into the lead. And at the end of the game, a lot of the Golden State players say, boy, we were really gassed at the end. We weren't used to this, which speaks to what you're saying. Well, it brings up another point, which is maybe for these weeks playing a slower pace. I tell you, I, I bet the Pelicans, and again, we're, uh, we're watching or some of the boys are with the bigger bets are watching the scores here. Well, what's the Cavs up there? Oh, hold on, Brad. I don't get to often use. Now this will be won't be close to news when they hear it, but I, I just want to play this. What's the score? Yes, we do have a final oh. in Toronto. Oh, so it's kind of breaking. Hold on, let's do it again. In overtime, Cleveland, the seven-point road underdog, 113. The Raptors, the baby dinosaurs, 112. Yowza. All those with Triscodescophobia fear that 13. Cleveland gets it. Wins by one. Oh, fast, fast, fast. He ruined it. Brad, you were so good. I was thinking maybe you can be a news guy if everything else falls. And then Fez comes in. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) We got to give it to him every week. <laughs> Good job, Fez. I deserve it. All right. <laughs> I'm putting it on the record, though, though no one's going to be able to use it. I do like, boy, they're going to lose by 40 now that I'm saying. <laughs> I do like the Pelicans. Moving on on game two. Game two. Moving on, Utah Houston. So you've talked about upgrading Houston. What's your number one factor in this series? With uh, Give us an update on Tuesday night where the series is. Yeah, so one game zero, Houston blitzed Utah. I think there's value with Utah. Remember, we were so high on Utah. They're 32 and nine on a run straight up. So that's a. With Gobert. With their big man. Yeah, their center Gobert. So we, we double that easy math. That's 64 and 18. That's the same as the Houston Rockets. Now they lost their point guard for this series, Ricky Rubio. So we're concerned now, about that. Now, is Ricky that. Rubio cuter than Jimmy G? Oh, God, no. <laughs> Jimmy Jesus, you know, come on. No hesitation. He's He is uh, very secure. Yes. Maybe too secure. I'm embracing this way too much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you're doing it with the biggest smile we ever see. It's a, now, I'm not saying Fez, because he let's, let's be candid. He's married, beautiful wife, beautiful boy, son, right? And looks like Fez. So, but... Imagine if Fez is thinking, you know, society's 
kind of embracing this now. And maybe, you know, I, I, no, I can't, I can't, who knows what the pick buyers would think, but I can act like that's true and do it. It's almost like I get to role play and, and kind of live it just a little bit. Is there any of that? <laughs> You're giving me far too much credit. <laughs> All right. So now, hey, we just, we explore, we deep dive here. This is what we do. <laughs> this is what we do. Cannonball it. And then one more of these right on top of Cannonball. Cannonball coming. Cannonball coming. <laughs> all right. Number one factor. Solid value with Utah. I think all series here, and it's all about a really bad spot game one. So they beat Oklahoma City. That was such an emotional series they win Friday night, late game. Russell Westbrook's starting conundrum in the stadium and the like, and they're celebrating. And then they got to fly out to Texas and play against Houston on Sunday, early day game. Just a really, really difficult spot. I'm going to give them a break for getting blitzed in the first half. I agree with that. And typically that'd make me look at Utah, but I believe Utah's probably properly rated now in this matchup. And I thought in the OKC matchup, they were way underrated. One, they hadn't won that series and the upgrade from the public that comes with that. But two was Gobert, one of the best rim protectors and against a team that doesn't shoot great from the outside OKC and drives to the basket with Westbrook, especially as much as anybody. I thought Gobert in that game was defensively in that series as effective as he would be against any team. Agree? I agree. And Oklahoma City doesn't shoot well from three. And frankly, Gobert was not much of a presence underneath the basket, scooping the ball up after Houston made three after three after three in game one. And I will want to, going back to the homosexuality, Fez, I, I just want you to know this. If you ever want to come out, like, because it's the truth, I would embrace it. I mean, not literally, <laughs> but I would embrace it. Because, listen, you go back to the old WWE or WWF, they were fanatical about having, okay, Bruno's the Italian champion, and then Pedro Morales, and then they had, like, Rocky Johnson, and it was like they want any ethnic group to say, that's my guy, Ivan Putski, right? It was a very ethnic-driven organization, wrestling, and WWF. And to me, one, we could get a ton of PR, right, the first, like, I don't think, is there any handicappers that are out? Is that what I'm aware of? Yeah, I'm sure I'm guessing somewhere, but not the big names. I've been in town long enough that, that uh, people know Fezzik likes women. <laughs> <laughs> no one's saying otherwise. I'm just, well, maybe we're hinting. But what I'm saying is I would embrace it because I think there'd be a business opportunity beyond just the, hey, you know, I'm a libertarian. You know, if you don't hurt me or hurt other people, go for it. I like gambling, whatever. Uh, gambling, gambling, and whatever. But so no, and personally, I don't care, but I think business-wise, it's an opportunity. So don't feel like you got to, you know, do anything for me. I, I got to be me, RJ. There's going to be no Skittles package from Fezzik Rainbow Coalition uh, best bets. Well, that's a good, I'm going to write that idea down. Actually, when, when it, eventually, right? Not you, but eventually. You know, that's the first time he actually seemed a little insecure about it. Mm -hmm. Like he was totally cool, but he felt like, you know, this has gone a little far. Yeah. I'm gonna, and that was the time that it was the least. It was like it actually made me a little uncomfortable. Your your freedom otherwise was impressive. 
right, so we're going to let it. We, we've hit your breaking point. <laughs> the irony here is we're talking about the Utah Jazz, like the most conservative state in the nation. Uh, I didn't make that connection. Hold on. Bananas. <laughs> Moving on. Let's talk Cavs. We got the final. Shocker. I mean, this line blew my mind. So let's talk a little bit. Game one line with the Cavs versus the series price and how it was really um, discombobulated. The aligned, it was misaligned. It felt like if you say, okay, based on game one's line, you can price the series or vice versa. Explain that concept and explain the misalignment here. Yeah, and I got to tell you, I've been doing this for years, RJ. This is one of the largest misalignments I've ever seen. Toronto closed a seven-point favorite against the Cavaliers here. So if you're a seven-point favorite in, in game one, both teams trying real hard to win, You, are, the market is telling you you're the significantly better team. Yet, even though they have home field for the series, Toronto was only right around a minus 200 favorite take back plus 170 on Cleveland. And what that was saying, I think, is that the marketplace was saying, hey, Toronto. Hold hold on. Let's go one concept at a time. So if I say, okay, uh, game one is going to be an understanding game one can sometimes have a scheduling quirk. And and we mentioned Utah being at a big disadvantage. But in general, if the home team is going to be favored by X, you can say, well, the series price should be that team, you know, if they're favored by more than four. So in general, it's it's fair to say if the home team's four in the first game, which is home court in the NBA playoffs, then whoever has home court for the series, obviously the team that has home court in game one has it for the series, is going to be about minus 155, minus 160, right? That's the home court. Yeah, maybe minus 150. We're splitting hairs here. Okay. Yeah. Let's call it 150 to keep it simple. Okay. Now, if it's four and a half, maybe it's 165. If it's five, maybe it's one. And I'm not saying these are the right numbers, but you see how this works. And they jump big. They start going up much more than that. And if a team's favored by six at home, they're usually going to be a two-point dog on the road. It's a it's a plus two. Thus, the other team being minus four when they're home, you'd plus two the road team to get down to a minus two for the home team, right? Okay. That in this game, the fact that Toronto in game one was favored by minus seven would say that the money line for the series should be Toronto minus 320. And it was really minus 200. Yes. Now, I've got to take a little bow here because I think this really affirms what I've been saying for a couple, well, over a week, which is as much as I think Cleveland has been overrated LeBron's been awesome I mean really you can make the cases as well as he's played regular season plus first round of the playoffs in his career is I I just can't imagine any of these eastern teams having LeBron say okay I'm in an elimination game We've been using the wrestling back to wrestling. Hulk Hogan, he could get beat up. He could lose, you know, the first part of the match. But then his fingers started wagging and his head started shaking. You love that, Brad. Oh, he's doing an imitation. It was pretty good, actually. (laughs) And then he hulked up. 
When LeBron, <laughs> we need the cameras quick. When Le, we're going to have them within six weeks. When LeBron hawks up, who's beat him since he won his first title? Golden State twice? An excellent Spurs team once. Excellent. That team was really good. That's it. Nobody else. Who in the heck in the East is in that universe? Every other series, every other one, every other one, LeBron won. Now, I get the Cavs aren't as good as they have been during that era with LeBron, but let's just say, okay, so maybe a team that's one notch worse could beat him. I don't think anyone in the East is even within shouting distance of those three teams. So game one, though they were wrong, right? Because LeBron won. You could say, hey, maybe they lose by 30, just like they lost the Cavs by 30 against the Pacers. But will they lose that elimination game? Will they lose that game that's a must win even before the elimination game? Toronto doing that? I don't think so. And back to what you were saying, if we go back to the Indiana series, whenever he had to hulk up, it was amazing how LeBron was getting points in the 20s for the most part. But as soon as it was labeled, hey, this is a must-win game, he scored in the 40s in all three of those must-win games. And in game one here, this is pretty amazing. LeBron did not have a big game here. He scored under 30 points, which I'm happy about because I had him under 32 points for a proposition bet. And it went under even in overtime. Even in overtime. And this is what's amazing to me. I can't, I know I got to go back and watch this, RJ, how they're doing this. Kevin Love, I think he's injured. He's been atrocious. His last five games, he's played five straight bad games. Two for 11 from the field, two for 10. Three for 10, five for 12, and he had another bad game tonight. So he's doing it without his supposed other superstar. This one game. Well, but the last five games for but, Kevin Love. But what I'm saying is LeBron's carried. What's surprising about game one is the Cavs won. Love fell short again, but LeBron didn't have a monster. In the other games, it was Love fell short, Cavs won, LeBron had a monster. The theory is how many monsters can you have? in a row or, or how many of these series can you keep carrying a disproportionate amount of the weight, even more than LeBron usually does. But the fact that they won the Cavs without LeBron having a monster. And again, with love failing is that's the surprise to me. And what's a bigger surprise to me is the four acquisitions. Remember those four spare tires they put on from other teams. None of these guys are playing well or playing lots of minutes. LeBron is doing it on his own, on his back. Now, it bears repeating. We had a disagreement about that trade. How would you characterize it? You were extremely skeptical about these new pieces coming in, improving Cleveland. You want to say anything else? Hold on. I'll, I'll let you like this. Once again, it is RJ Bell. Okay. I, I, I do want to <laughs> clarify this because in game seven against Indiana, not just were you right. Three of these four guys, RJ scored one point or zero points, bagel, donut. You don't get much more you right know, than that. When I'm right, I don't like to belabor it. So let's just move on. <laughs> <laughs> Brad didn't know if I was joking or not, so he didn't want to like over laugh. But <laughs> I was joking. <laughs> All right. Last series, Philly, Boston. Surprise. Boy, that line was inflated. Explain that game one line to me, and we'll do a little bit of that math about the minus four at home. And let's talk about the game two line. Yeah, so Philly opens up a two-point favorite at Boston. 
All the money comes in on Philly. They close a minus four and a half point favorite. Now was announced that Boston's Jalen Brown, who was banged up, was supposed to play. He didn't play, so he was out. He's worth about a point and a half. He's a starter. But but you, you, again, you're taking the key fact and obscuring it. Let's say that the line was based upon the expectation of him playing. So at at I think at most that it would have been what point seven, you know, half the one and a half points he's worth. To, so point seven five would have been the adjustment going into the game, right? So it still was like a crazy inflated line. It was one of the strangest line moves to me for the year because I liked Boston plus two RJ. This never happens to me. Rarely, it rarely happens to me. I bet plus two and a half, and to my horror, right before the game was tipping off, there was a plus. Five available on Boston. So what you're saying is the line going against you, your initial thought was never happens to me. But then you said, you know, I'm going to just say rarely like Haley's comment line moves against me. Unlikely. Unlikely. In all the five boroughs, I'm known. I'm known all over the world. Hey, at least you have a healthy ego. Fast. You need that in this business. What do you think of game two? Oh, you've got a best bet on one of these games. Which game's your best bet? It is on the Utah-Houston game. Okay, so give me your thoughts on um, game two here in Boston, and then we're obviously at the end of the pod get the best bets. Well, it looks like a good spot for Philly to bounce back, but trends would say otherwise. Boston now, Brad Stevens, we love him as a coach. He and his team, 21-7 and against the spread as an underdog, and at home as an underdog, 9-0 and now against the spread. This season. This season. How many straight-up wins? Eight. So, home dog, nine times, won eight of them. Hmm. I actually like the Celtics here more because the zigzag says, oh, you know, Philly should have an advantage. I think Philly might be feeling the pressure. This team, this is the least battle-tested. Let's just say this. If you look at Philadelphia at this point, their chance to win the NBA title. So I didn't see, I don't think I've looked at it since they lost the first game, but before the first game, they were like, what? 12 to one. They were down to, do you see that? The Sixers? Yeah, I believe so. Yes. I would say in the last tw- 10 years, there hasn't been a team 12 to one or better in the playoffs. That was, that was this untested with this, deficiency of being battle tested as Philadelphia. Oh, I agree strongly. I mean, they won what nine games two years ago. Yeah. And none of these players are from, I mean, JJ Raddick has he even been in an NBA finals. No, he always loses with the Clippers in the first round. Yeah. I don't think any even. So it's, it's hard to say that anyone on this team knows the path. And I think that means it's spots where the pressure could be on. Maybe it's a negative form. 19% they shot from three-point land in game one. Maybe a lot of that was nerves. You're listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. All right, we're going to baseball. Remember, we've got best bet from Fez. Oh, you got two. You're giving two best bets. Double down. One doubling up the best bets. Double, and 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 here's the hint I'm going to give. Mackie's giving us a free pick. The initials or abbreviation DD. Now we could think of a a busty girl. <laughs> we could think about 
doubling down on your best bets with two, but also DD is the clue to Mackey's story. The story that will, I think, brand him forever would be a fair way to say it. But first, baseball time. And boy, Esler has been killing it, killing it with his, you know, not all about the free picks, but rather his over and underrated teams, and especially his overrated teams. And he actually references how well they've been doing. And if you just blindly bet against them, how well that's done. But obviously you want to be judicious. So here he is back from Europe with his overrated baseball team of the week. Well, we start this week with uh, my overrated team. And before I get into that, I'm going to pat myself on the back here. We've given out four of them so far. Washington, the Cubs, the Dodgers, and the Indians. For the record, if you'd have bet a unit on every one of all their games, you'd be down money on every team. Uh, So this week, uh, I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Angels, who have lost four straight games and only scored more than three runs twice in their last 12 games. They're hitting 179 in their last seven games. Look down the list. Justin Upton's hitting 229. Kozart, 229. Cole Calhoun, 179. So they're just not scoring. They got Otani is out indefinitely. And here's something, you know, I just said they're not scoring. They've used 21 different pitchers this year, nine different starters. Combined, they've allowed 40 home runs in 28 games. And aside from Otani, who's not there, uh, the only pitcher with a whip under 1.4 is Tyler Skaggs. Their bullpen blew two saves last week. And and this was an interesting one. Uh, They've hit into 22 double plays, which is as many as Toronto and the Cubs combined. So I kind of looked at them as a Washington of a week or two ago in a one-man show with Trout. So the pitching is suspect. They're not hitting. They're overvalued. The Los Angeles Angels. Thoughts, Russ? Love it. Before the season started, I'm friends with a national radio host who did a bunch of different trips in preseason. And he said to me that the locker room of the Angels is the worst he's ever seen. All this Otani interviews and um, interpreters and delays was really hurting that locker room. I was shocked to see the Angels start out the season red hot. That has reversed. I think this is a solid long-term pick. And remember, guys, when it's an overrated or underrated, doesn't mean you play it blindly. It means that the team, in Dave's opinion, Dave Esler, is under or overrated, in this case over, and be careful playing on them. And if you can find situational or other edges on top of that, mm, might have a good one. Might have a good one. We had the overrated. Here is the underrated. My underrated team this week is the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, I know they lost at Washington Monday night 3-2, to two, but as of Monday, they'd won five straight, and three of them, they were underdogs. Uh, they're hitting. They've had 10 or more hits in four of six games, and that's all without Josh Harrison. So as a team last week, they hit 302, so they can score. Uh, their bullpen had a 1.19 ERA over the last seven games. You know, you got to have a bullpen. They're starting pitching. Williams is allowing less than six hits per nine innings. Ivan Nova, who I didn't know he was still playing, he's allowing less than one walk per nine innings. Kingman came up and had a perfect game through six. And on and on, Taylor is striking out almost a batter an inning. I think people thought that when they lost McCutcheon, that was going to be a big deal. But I think he's a huge defensive liability. 
you know, Corey Dickerson filled in. He's hitting 316. And again, they're doing all this with Polanco only hitting 196 this year. And one thing that's really important to me is hitting with runners in scoring position. And on the season, they're hitting 284, which is sixth in MLB. Uh, so, you know, they're taking advantage of their opportunities. This week, they're at Washington, love them on the run line, at Milwaukee, and at the White Sox, where they're going to get a DH. They're going to be underdogs in all of them. So, uh, I think if you play on them for a week, you might come out ahead, undervalued the Pirates. Thoughts, Vez? I like it. The, a lot of folks felt the Pirates were rebuilding. Their season win cratered from 75 down to 73. And a big part of that was the face of the franchise. McCutcheon got, they didn't retain him. He went to the So Giants. let me see, 73, 146. So they thought well below 500. Yes. And what happened, I think, is kind of like New England Patriots style value. They knew McCutcheon was regressing and had one decent year. They're happy to get rid of him. Well, hold on, hold on. As a former Pirates fan, and people say, wait a minute, RJ Former, I ethically felt a need to stop rooting for the Pirates. I can still remember one of my great joys, actually, of uh, childhood fandom. You know, Steelers did win four Super Bowls during my between the age of five and ten. So there was a lot of joys. But when they won in '79, and uh, Kent Takalvi, Omar Marino catching it down three one against Baltimore. Oh, I loved it. Won Let's both just, those games six and seven on the road too. Oh, what a team! What a Bill Madlock at third, Pop Stargell. Scraps, Phil Garner, he could play. Yeah, we are at Ott, Dave Parker. You want to talk about an arm? Who I still remember the this week in baseball, which I watched. Baseball was my favorite sport as to play growing up. This week in baseball, Dave Parker. I think it was the All Star game. Like pot, caught a ball at the warning track in right field. Guy was tagging up from second, threw it from the warning track to third. No, I, it might have been one hot, but it was a laser. Probably one of the best. I mean, I'm sure that's on YouTube. One of the great, and that was on this week in baseball Bump. for a long time. Yeah, so I'd have Bump. the theme Bump. run up Bump. with a tennis Bump. ball to throw against Bump. the brick wall. Fez coming through. He's not getting the bananas on this. It's pretty good. I don't overdo. He just he was like he's so happy. He was like, yay, I'm doing it. Okay. Um. Oh, but there's the flip side. When when they lost, when Sid Bream, I mean Sid Bream was like he should have had a cane, and somehow we were we were. I mean, think about it, Barry Bonds and and pre steroids. But if Bonds would have retired the first day he injected steroids, he still would have made the Hall of Fame. That's the. I mean, again, who's to judge? But man, that's a shame because people will forget that slender Bonds. He was such a great defensive left fielder too. Bobby Bonilla. Remember the bees, Andy Van Slyke? I mean, that was a good team, and they and they were one game from the from the World Series, and then they the, the relief was their problem the whole year. Bream from second, broken bat, Bonds with the bad throw. I threw a, now. This is true. I threw a book, a textbook, through a wall. I was so mad. I just tried, I was up at college, threw as hard as I can. Well, let's be candid. It, it was some cheap drywall, but boom, right through the wall. <laughs> I think I put a poster up and still got my security deposit back. I don't remember, but <laughs> it's kind of, kind of like the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> yeah, was it a Raquel Welch? Yeah. Well, no, no. All right. It would have been a different era. But oh, yeah. <laughs> though I did have a friend of mine tell me we were talking about pornography 
and no, just saying like how it's become like so huge. And, and we're like, the, we were actually talking about how, like, if you're a kid and you're like, when I was a kid, it was playboys, right. Or whatever hustler. And you could say that's good or bad, but the idea that everything in the world, you could say, you know, red hair, small butt, big feet and braces and boom, there's gonna be like 30. I've heard this now. I'm not sure about it, but there's gonna be like 30 videos, right? Imagine if you're 16 years old, pretty much every 16 year old in the United States is going to have access to the internet. That's not going to be, you know, they know how to clear the cash. I certainly do <laughs> is imagine coming up, you know, coming into your sexuality, whatever you want to call it, growing up with that. I mean, you got to figure and it's just human nature. Once you see something 10 times, it's like, well, I want to see the next thing or the next thing, something bigger or more intense. Boy, I, you just got to wonder where it's going. And there's been a lot of think pieces on it where like the, the guys and girls, like they want, you know, guys only want like porno, like porno type sex when they're 17. Well, I'll be honest. I don't want to get fed. I mean, we don't want us all to get uncomfortable with Fez's high school stories. But I mean, when I was 17, I, I was, I was happy. I, it didn't have to be any particular way. Let's just say that Brad. Yeah, I, I was happy making out. <laughs> exactly. So it's an interesting conversation. Probably not even for this or don't bet on it, but an interesting one. <laughs> but he was saying that he enjoyed 70s porn where there's like, I've never even seen this, honestly, is you go back and either they, I guess they have all those old, which they would have been VHSs or whatever, I guess, or even before that. And they got them up on the internet now. Oh, I don't, I'm not into that. I mean, we've it's like it's like driving around in a Model T or something. I don't think Ginger Lynn is a Model T. So Fat Fez is. I, I I said please don't comment. We're all uncomfortable now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Another or oh, here we go. We're heading down free pick world, and we got a free pick. Where did all that start at? You, we don't. We went like five levels. Bobby so, Bodia was in there somewhere. Oh, oh, the, oh thank you, thank you. And the double D. No, the I was a huge Pirates fan, obviously. But when they quit spending any money, it's one thing if you can't compete. You're trying your best, you can't compete. But if you're spending, if you're saying, "Oh no, no, no," we even if we lose, we want to make X amount of money. Then, as fans, we are enabling that. It's like if you've got a boyfriend or girlfriend and they're on drugs, let's say hardcore, and you're like, okay, honey, it's no problem. It's not necessarily your fault, but you're certainly enabling that. If you say, listen, if you want to be with me, you can't be this effed up. Now that, now maybe that's uh, you're being selfish in a way because you don't like druggies in this hypothetical, but at least then you're not encouraging them in a way. I feel like we're enabling, we'd be enabling the Pirates. I don't care if they made the playoffs once or twice and lost in the one game. They're not signing their guys. So you're saying, oh, they were so forward thinking, knowing that they would. No, they don't sign any guys that are expensive. And finally, one of them regressed. I'm not giving them any applause for that. You would know your Pirates better than I do. You're not my Pirates. (laughs) You're not listening. All right, free pick from Asler. Free pick for Wednesday night, uh, Houston over the Yankees. By the way, I'm going to stop. At the end of his free pick, 
I give him some. I can't believe Astler's been getting all this profile without any heat. So I gave him some serious heat with a smile at the end of this free pick. Right now at Pinnacle, I think you can get him even money. Uh, and I don't know how you don't take Dallas Keuchel at home at even money. I think the market's probably gone too far with him. I mean, there was a time you wouldn't dream of fading him at home. He's 25 and 8 at home over the last three years with a 203 batting average against. Uh, Oakland got him for six runs last week, but I think that's what maybe has given us value here. You know, the Yankees line up collectively 11 hits and 69 at-bats against him. Who are they facing? Severino. Extremely impressive numbers this season. But individually, Carlos Correa is 3-for-4, Reddick's 3-for-7, Gurriel is 4-for-5, Marwin Gonzalez has taken him over the fence. Uh, so those aren't huge sample sizes, but they're enough in what's probably going to be a low-scoring game. Severino in April and May, the last three years, four and eight, the 260 batting average. June through September, 18 and nine, 210 batting average. Uh, in the last week, the Yankees are hitting 233, 275 at home, most runs in baseball. On the road, different story, 228. They're not hitting. The Yankees only more than seven hits once in five games. Yankees, 24 games against left handed pitching, 27 runs. Uh, Houston at home at even money with Keiko. I don't know how you don't do that. Boy, I really like that analysis. Let me ask you a question. No notice on this one, just to get your honest reaction. A friend of mine who's moved to Vegas is a subscriber of yours, and he's betting every one of your games. So he gets other people's stuff, and you know, sometimes I'll play his two stars, I'll play his three, but not his one, whatever. He's just playing Dave Esler. And he was telling me that no matter what, when the first inning, let's say you've got a baseball total, you're going over seven and a half. There'll be like a guy on second and two outs. Guy does a long drive, the center, the batter. Ah, right at the warning track, out, no runs. Like you'll send out like a long complaint about how you got to score there. You got to score there. And just recently I heard, I think it might have even been Monday, you go crazy because bases load in the first, no runs. And you still end up winning the over like eight to four or something. So do you, in the moment, do you know, know it's ridiculous when you're screaming in the first inning? And do you feel a little, uh, what's the right word for it? A little embarrassed even when you win eight, four, you know, 12 runs that you got so worked up in the first. Well, there's a lot of questions there and I don't mind being taken off guard that one. Yeah. I, I get annoyed when I spend all that time handicapping games and, should I send that out there like, you know, the, the negativity? Probably not. But I think people need to realize that I'm really not much different than them. And, and, and I'm probably just like they are at home watching it. Like, you know, I want this to be easy and I don't want to have to worry about it because I feel strongly that when I did the work, I shouldn't have to worry about it. So that's an interesting question. Do I feel embarrassed when they went eight to four? Absolutely not. I just want it to be eight to four in the fourth inning if it's an over instead of the eighth inning. We're back. You know, that's interesting because I've always thought negativity during a game or about even a, a short losing streak or even moderate losing streaks. I've always thought it's the opposite of what you're supposed to do because imagine a roulette table that someone goes red five straight times and they win five in a row. Now, on the sixth spin, the roulette table on red and black has the same edge. But if you as a gambler get overly affected by the ebbs and the flows, if you do have an edge, that can be 
diminished or even eliminated because you're reacting to the inevitable swings. So I think if you're emotionally getting into it too much um, and it's affecting your next handicap, it's uh, undoubtedly a bad thing, certainly a bad thing. But what Esther's saying is, boy, I'm putting in a ton of work and boy, I want I don't only want, you know, in a way you can say it's not enough for Esler to win. He wants to win easy. Like setting that bar that high, as long as you don't like let the ebbs and flows affect your handicap, it feels like that high standard might have some value for certain personality types. What do you think, Fez? I like it. He's a perfectionist. He wants to win his overs in the sixth inning. Good trait. Yeah, but as long as it doesn't get you to be sour with the ebbs and the flows, which are inevitable. I agree with that. I did want to comment real quickly about this pick. Oh, yes. Go ahead. I really like the fact that, and I'm more of a National League than an American League guy, but I know the Yankees were playing Anaheim Sunday night. Kind of a wise guy secret here, RJ. That Sunday night game in baseball, when a team has to wheel back after playing Sunday night and play Monday, everyone else is off Sunday night. And so they have shorter rest and they have to travel. That's usually a good spot to not just bet against that team on that Monday, but for that entire series on the road. So the Yankees had to fly from Anaheim, Southern California, to Houston, can get in some trouble, have some fun in Houston. And they've been there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Bad spot for them across the early week here in Houston. All right, guys, we've got a quick and final commercial break. And then three best bets plus the double D story from Mackie. BetQL. What's the point of the dream preview? Obviously, it's getting an edge over the sports books. BetQL is available for download. It's an app that puts the important research you need to make smart bets in one place. BetQL gives you powerful data at your fingertips. With BetQL, you can quickly access line movement to see lines move throughout the day. This app gives you access to public betting trends in real time, so you can see which side the public is favoring. BetQL's proprietary algorithm gives users value bets of the day based on detailed recent and historical team trends. Best of all, you can download BetQL for free on your Apple or Android device. Head to betql.co to download an app to see you outsmart Vegas. That's betql.co. By the way, BetQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer, trusted by 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android. Oh, Zipa. Zipa. A lot of response to this. I would say of all the more complex ads we've done, you know, it's not as simple as some of them. People have really responded. Now, what is Zipa? It is something that stops sleep apnea. And let's be candid. It's human nature to kind of overlook things that are, are problematic if fixing them's a hassle. Think about it like a sore tooth or something, which I find that crazy. Man, if my tooth's where I'm going to the dentist. But a lot of people... It, They'll spend weeks with this. Oh, hopefully it'll go away. It's a hot tooth. Okay, maybe so, maybe not. But we know it's human nature to ignore this stuff. Well, if you're not sleeping well, and you know if you are, this is one of those, you know, if you're, are you in love? You know if you're in love, 
right? Is if you're sleeping well, you know it. If you're not sleeping well, you know it. And if you're not sleeping well, the apnea is oftentimes a problem. It involves your breathing. And check out Zipa. And this is spelled now. You can go on the web, www.zyppah.com. Zipa, Z-Y-P-P-A-H.com. Now, here's the key. Use the promo code DREAM and you get free shipping. Now, if you look at the returns and all that, obviously, if it doesn't help you, you give it back, okay? You're getting it shipped there for free. But I think this is from what I'm hearing, and there's testimonials from Warren Sapp, Bob Eubanks, et cetera, in which people are like, wow, look, I feel so much better. I feel young, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, how do we know if it's going to, work for you but what we know is trying it's easy and what we know is it works for a lot of people and when we say work what do we mean we mean your brain's getting more oxygen and listen maybe this is a controversial statement i don't think anyone wants their brain cells dying if you're gonna kill brain cells at least you know if you like to i don't like to smoke weed but you want to smoke some weed okay you're having fun killing your brain cells have brad you love to drink right you 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 on the wagon or what sometimes you drink so much and you're like, not that you have a problem, but you're like, I'm so focused on my work. I'm not going to drink for a while. Where are you at right now? I'm off the wagon. So you're off the wagon means you're drinking. Yep. Okay. Uh, how long did you, the last time you got on the wagon, how long was it? Uh, four months. Okay. See, there you go. If you can quit for four months, you're in pretty yeah. good shape. So I, I know I can't quit cheesecake for four months. See, so maybe yeah. there's an addiction there. So, when you drink, do you think to yourself, yeah, you know, this is some calories or whatever, but I'm having a great time, right? It's yeah, a trade Absolutely. Yeah. And then you balance it. Who in the heck saying, oh, I killed some brain cells last night and it was a good time because I didn't have to use Zipa, <laughs> right? So what's, think about it. It's, seriously, why kill brain cells if you don't need to? And it's heart trauma. Who in the heck wants heart trauma, right? Killing your heart. And lastly, love. Your brain, heart, and love. Why? Because your significant other, you're snoring. I mean, boy, you want to talk about a value proposition. Zipa, and let's spell it one more time, Z-Y-P-P-A-H.com. And guys, Dream Preview is free. All these pods are free. It's our intention to keep them that way. When you support, listen, if you don't snore, you don't need it, don't use it. But if you think you might use it, not only would it help you, but obviously you'd be helping us use promo code DREAM. Oh, Mackie. Oh, Mackie. I'm going to let you tell the story. Usually I tell the story. They always say in politics, you want to brand the opponent before they can brand themselves. But I like you. So I'm going to let you tell the story and then I'll, I'll let the listeners know where you're telling the truth and where you're lying. Fair enough. This go. is not going to end well for me. So <laughs> I'm really excited so to tell, tell this. This tell is going to go great. Now. So last week after the dream pod, we go out to so dinner. Tuesday night a week ago. Mm -hmm. Tuesday night a week ago, we out... Go out to dinner after the show. 
me, RJ, a few other guys, takes us to So a- we're trying to introduce Mackie around, let him get to know. We had some people from out of town. He's doing a heck of a job. You're going to see more and more from him. Appreciate that. So we're going out to dinner. Uh, what we thought was a good spot close by the office turned out to not be such a great spot after all. But we go out. Now stay on topic. Yep. Comes time to order the meals. He doesn't even know how to say this. And I order two <laughs> falafel sandwiches. No, no. Oh, 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 oh. It was falafel. It was a dinner. It was an entree. It was an entree. An it entree. was the falafel sandwich. Well, whatever the entree was, <laughs> it was. Now, Brad, you're not a scientist, right? No. Heck no. Do you, when, when there's an entree, it's supposed to serve one fully. Yes. No one's thinking, how many entrees should I order? Most reasonable people. Yeah. No. Only one. I mean, Fez, when you look at the entrees, do you think, I wonder how many I should order? Well, Fezzik is the name for Andre the Giant, and he'd probably order three, but I order one. This isn't a McDonald's where you're ordering a couple double cheeseburgers. It's a restaurant, a sit-down restaurant. I've never ordered two entrees. Don't try to be funny. It's not working. How many entrees do you typically order? One. And how many did you order? I ordered two. Okay. Now, at any point, did you think, Mackie, that you were going to pay for this? Like, did you think, you know, I know I'm just starting out. I'm the, you know, low man, as they say on The Sopranos. Now, and The Sopranos, the low man always bought. Well, I've got my faults, but I'm usually buying in these situations. Did you ever think, you know, I might pay for this? I did not. Didn't even cross your mind. Did Did it even cross your mind? There was no doubt uh, that you weren't going to pass. That I was not going to pass. Okay, <laughs> but you say though everyone else ordered one entree, and and the most of the civilized world orders one entree, I'm going to double that. I'm going to take what's normal and double it. This is true. Okay, what was the thought process? I was so hungry, I thought I could eat too. <laughs> okay, now Mackie is how tall are you? <laughs> Five nine. And how much do you weigh? 170. 170. Okay. So I'm fine. Okay. So you're thinking big eater. Somehow maybe he's a big eater, right? How much did you end up eating? Almost finished one entree. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And then you just packed it up. So really, here's the thing about Mac. You know, this is closing in the story. He went, and again, we're going to say supposed, to the 14th best school in the country. Got accepted. Played football and basketball at the same time. Wow. The Jim Thorpe of pregame is, we're playing with that a little bit. So, who knows what this is about? This could be he was being very sincere and, and was really that hungry. Though I'll be honest with you. If I was there with my boss, if I was in that environment when I was his age, I would have ordered a normal amount of food, not double, and then I would have stopped and got a blizzard or something on the way home. Right? <laughs> Even if that he genuinely believed that he was that hungry. Now, that's me. Did he come out? Like, what was the rotation order of ordering? Did he, he, he order was like, first? La- no, he was last. Oh, my goodness. So he saw that's the whole, even worse. He saw the whole world order one, just like yeah. the whole world usually does. And he said, you know what other, you know, did the waitress ask, like, hey, is there someone else coming? Was there any questions, like, do we need an extra place setting? No, she took the order. Yeah. Okay. Now, even if he thought, Fez, if you thought you were so hungry to eat two entrees, but you were at a new job and your boss was there, would you order two entrees? 
No, I'd order like an inexpensive entree and that, one. that I, I'd still like. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'd sneak out and hit the RB Super on the way home. Exactly. Brad, you? Exactly. Is what I, that's exactly what my game plan would be. Or you maybe, maybe, maybe you would say, you know, I'm really hungry. I'm going to order two. Like, let us know. And hey, here's a 20 spot to cover the second one, no matter who pays. And then he even figuring in a Machiavellian sense, oh, they're going to shoo shoo me off with the 20. But at least then it looks like, okay. Mm. Yeah. Maybe that even. Yeah. But instead it was just, and he did it so smooth. And then when he only ate, and when he was packing up the other one and a quarter entrees, <laughs> he had this little smirk on his face and it just makes me wonder because he's, he's very, you know, obviously intelligent if he did go to this school and if it really is that good, I mean, we're assuming some stuff here. I mean, it says like the U S news and world report, but who knows? Right. (laughs) And, 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 and he's very solicitous where like, if you walk in and you're like, you sneeze, not only would he say, God bless you. He'll jump up and hand you a tissue or something. He's always thinking about the way he appears, which is a great thing for anybody, right? You're dealing with the world. You've got to think about perception. What did, what did you think the perception was going to be that you ordered two entrees? You know, the thought didn't even cross my mind because I so was this so was, convinced I was going to eat both. But even if you did eat both, it'd be like, man, did you not eat for two days because you knew we were going to dinner tonight? Like, like, would you agree that you have given thought to your appearance more than the average person? Would you agree that you are thinking about how to ingratiate yourself? I think that's fair. And that makes but, it this but, all, that all the it, more painful. In this, <laughs> in this case, though, it was something that even Brad from the farm wouldn't have done. <laughs> so I'm thinking it's one of two things. He just had a total lapse. Or there's some next level thing here. He figures if I do this, I'm going to get talked about on the pot. Mm. And maybe I just fell into his trap. Wow. I mean, I don't even know. I don't even know. And here's the guy. I I don't think a lot of people watch Mad Men. But if you watch Mad Men, he kind of reminds me of Bob Benson. Did you watch Mad Men? No. Yeah. Bob Benson. All right. The story will continue. We're going to keep you updated as we figure out Mackie. And it could take years. We'll keep you updated. But my gut feeling is when we look back in hindsight, this story is going to be one of the key clues. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. Now, if Mackie had ordered one entree, I'd let him go first. Faz, best bet. Best bet. Let's do NBA. We talked about how the Yankees were in a bad spot in Houston. Well, I think the Utah Jazz are in a good spot. They were in a bad spot on Sunday when 36 hours after closing out Oklahoma City, they had to play Houston. They got blitzed in the first half. But this team is still on a 32-9 and straight-up run off an embarrassing blowout loss in Game 1. I think they bounced back. We grabbed the Utah Jazz plus 11 Game 2. Okay. I don't like, I mean, I I don't like the other way. I just got a feeling Houston's just looking to make a statement. So I'm good. I'm leery of that one, but you are, you do own a mansion and a yacht. So who am I to question? We're given a bonus best bet. And again, if Mackie had only ordered one entree, he'd be next. But Fez, 
NFL bonus best bet. NFL full disclosure. I will bet more on this one. Season wins Miami Dolphins over six wins. I got to tell you, I love this bet. Uh, history of the Dolphins the last five years. They won eight games. They won eight games. They won six games. And then they won 10 games with Gaze, who's a really good NFL coach, brand new NFL coach, and Tannehill having his very best year at quarterback. Then Tann- Wait, hold on. Brand new NFL coach? Two years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what happens, Tannehill blows out his leg. He's out in 2017. We need a quarterback. And in comes Surly, Jay Cutler, who's never won anywhere that he's been. And the Dolphins regress. They don't have a good statistical year. They only go 6-10. and 10. Now Tannehill's back. I expect them to go back to being close to that 500 team. Miami Dolphins over six wins. Best bet. You know, I like that one. I mean, Tannehill, it, the narrative has changed so much on him where before he got hurt, it was like, yeah, he's got to take one more step. But I would have said during the prior season, not this prior season, but the season prior to that, you know, week 12 or 13, I think Tannehill might have been 14th or 15th on on some people's list of quarterbacks. Does that sound right to you, Faz? Yeah, right in the middle. And now all of a sudden they say he's the problem. I mean, that's the per- perception is there, there was all rumors Miami was going to pick a quarterback in the first round. Well, that's because the, the largely they forgot about him because he was gone for a year. But for, Miami, who forgot about him? The GM forgot he had Tannehill? Oh, no, all these analysts oh. that were saying Miami needs a quarterback. Well, that they would have if Cutler had been the quarterback. Miami didn't think they needed a quarterback because they stood pat on, in their quarterback situation because I they remember how well Tannehill was playing at the end of 2016. Like we said on Twitter, great stuff. In fact, next week we'll probably go over your 1-32 to 32 power ratings, post-draft, all that stuff, green preview, but also pregame.com. Also, Fezzik Twitter, at Fezzik Sports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K, at Fezzik Sports. If you can only follow one Twitter handle, though. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. But if you can follow more than one, at Fezzik Sports is a good one. All right, Mackie, give me two dinners worth of good info on this best bet. I'll try to live up to it. We are going Chiefs under eight and a half season win total. First things first, I want to talk about the quarterback situation. It's funny. He's like reading, and it's like, first (laughs) things first. Loosen up, baby. Listen, if you have the guts to order two entrees, (laughs) you should not be nervous right now. All right, go. First things first, quarterback situation. (laughs) (laughs) He goes back to reading. (laughs) Take that paper away from him. (laughs) Go ahead. There we go. There we go. Uh Uh-oh. Go. So Alex Smith, I think him leaving the team, that's being undervalued. Um, So honestly, when you say undervalued, you're saying you think the impact, the negative impact for Kansas City is even higher. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So I think Smith, having been there with Andy Reid for five years, he improved steadily over those years. And 16 and 17 were his two best. And statistically, he finished in a lot of the top categories for quarterbacks last year. Lowest interceptions at five was top in QBR. 26 touchdowns. And I'd make the point if the goal is, I think it's important to realize handicapping. Are you looking to win the most games or are you looking to win the title? And you might say, well, winning the most games is the way to win the title. But let me give you an example. Alex Smith seemed to have a ceiling and that ceiling was not the Super Bowl from everything I can see. 
Would you rather have a guy that had a 50? If your goal was to win the Super Bowl, would you rather have a guy to have a 50% chance is going to be much better than Alex Smith and a 50% chance to be much worse? Or would you rather have Alex Smith? I want the high variance quarterback because in this hypothetical half the time, that quarterback's going to play so well that the Super Bowl is a viable option or viable possibility. And the other half doesn't matter if you lose in the first or second round of the playoffs or if you don't make the playoffs. If your goal is to win the Super Bowl, same thing. You did not achieve your goal. I think Alex Smith, if you're trying to win the Super Bowl, is not your quarterback. If you're trying to win over X number, a reasonable number of games, losing that kind of consistency, I think, is a big negative. I think that's a really good point. And I think we saw it with Kansas City last year in the playoffs, the way they fizzled out against Tennessee. It, was, it became very apparent that Smith with Andy Reid in Kansas City wasn't working and they had reached their ceiling and they had to get past it. And whatever happens with a new quarterback, even come midseason, and Fez, you talk about this a lot, about new coaches, new quarterbacks, especially a second-year guy with very little experience, he is going to be much better in Week 12 if he follows the history of, of, of inexperienced quarterbacks at all. There can always be an aberration. Much better in Week 12 than he is in Week 1, 2, 3, and 4. You agree with that? I agree strongly. So if you're, again, looking at how good they're going to be at the end of the year, who knows if Smith if Smith's absence is a big deal, but boy, we're looking at wins across the season, which means week one, two, and three mean just as much as the final three weeks. Absolutely. And in that same vein, Kansas city stuff starts out the season with a really difficult schedule opening two games back to back on the road at the chargers. And then at the Steelers, Uh, they follow that up with four difficult games. San Francisco's in there, new England's in there. So the road's not easy out of the gates for Mahomes. Okay. I, I, you know, I trust Andy Reid, so I don't love this pick. What do you think, Fez? You know, I'm starting to love it. And really? I, like to love. Like to love. And, and here's why. Looking at yards per play, that's the number one metric we use as a starting point to evaluate offenses. New Orleans Saints were the number one team in the NFL, 6.3 yards per play. Unbelievably, Alex Smith. Now, a lot of this was September, mind you. He was number two at the Kansas the Chiefs. Six point one yards per play. Their defense was actually below average from this metric at five point six. Do we really think Mahomes can come close to the second best, or even the fifth best, or even the eighth, eighth best offense in the NFL? I say no. And I'll tell you this: in the last, well, let's say Andy Reid era Chiefs, they've been good on defense in general. That's the perception. The Chiefs last year had a horrible defense. So assuming that defense doesn't get much, much better, you, you're you relying on the offense just to be a borderline playoff team. Absolutely. Let's face it. You're up 21-3 to against the Tennessee Titans. Whether Alex Smith or Kaiser is your quarterback, you should win. The defense let them down. And Kelsey did get hurt also. Well, if Kaiser's the quarterback, maybe if you kneel every play, you're in good shape. But <laughs> as good as you can be. All right. It's Kentucky Derby week, and we have a full podcast coming up. Fred Fowler, ESPN Houston radio host, and quite frankly, an expert, a real expert at sports be- or sports betting, yeah, but at horses, yeah, 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 we'll be putting that right in this podcast feed. So if you're not subscribed, get subscribed. Just search for RJ Bell and subscribe. You'll get it Friday a.m., and we'll talk to you 
then. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday, NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.